Welcome to the Soul Church Sunday Service Podcast. Awesome. Well, let me just read a couple of those verses from uh, Hebrews chapter 6 again. And then I'm going to pray and uh, ask God to talk to you through me. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Let's talk to God together. Heavenly Father, we need you to speak to us right now. And I pray, Lord, please, that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear what you have to say. Let everyone here, no matter how young, Lord, or how old, Lord, I pray you'd speak. Lord, encourage us, convict us, help us, we pray. Make Jesus very real to us tonight. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, there's nothing worse than broken promises, is it? When someone lets you down. When they say one thing, but do another. They, pr- they promise one thing, but their actions don't match that. Often, when broken promises happen, it makes it hard, doesn't it, for us to trust people again. Not only, not only those very people who've let us down, but others too, isn't it? Now, our, our willingness to take someone at their words relies on two things. Who they are and how they promise. We'll get to that. More will come clear. Now, I don't know how many of you have got trust issues or how badly you've been let down. I don't know who's still waiting for their dad to come home and get them or who's still waiting for that promotion in work or for your landlord to fix that thing or your partner to to change. But tonight, I want you to realise that you can trust God. That God does keep his promises even when life is hard when you're being battered about by various storms God keeps his promises to you and his promise of forgiveness and love and peace and a place in his kingdom his family his promise of eternal life you can trust and you can rely on it in Jesus All God's promises are met and kept. All his promises are yes and amen. So firstly, how does God make this promise, this promise of eternal life, of forgiveness, of a place in his family? It's interesting, isn't it, that often when someone is telling us something or promising us something, they swear by or on Something or someone else, isn't it? 
in the playground, isn't it, when you're trying to convince your friends, oh, I swear on my mum's life that this happened, or it was this, it was this big, or whatever it was, you know? Or sometimes people meet out and about, they want to convince you, they really mean it. They say, oh, I swear on my kids' lives, such and such. I just think it's a bad idea to do that, but... Now, often it's people who, who make these kind of promises that, we don't, that don't seem particularly trustworthy, often, isn't it? That seem to do that, nowadays, anyway. But back in the day, swearing an oath was a common but serious thing. That's what it says in the verse, isn't it? Men would swear by someone greater than themselves. You'd have someone who would promise they would do something or promise they were, they were uh, telling the truth. They'd swear by the gods or by gods. And normally there was a witness, someone who was more, sort of higher up than them in the food chain, more important, who could, um, who could make sure they were telling the truth. And if they were lying, they could enact the punishment. Someone who'd make sure that they saw it through. Carry out the sentence. Unlike when people nowadays say, God, strike me down if I'm lying. Isn't it? Have you heard someone say that? People, at this time especially, would really expect God to do that if they were lying. They really would get, expect to be struck by lightning or whatever it is. Even in court today, isn't it? We swear before Almighty God with our hand on the Bible to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Or words to that effect, isn't it? The writer of Hebrews knows that what his audience is used to is people swearing oaths and calling on a higher authority as their witness. And it's not quite the same, is it? But we kind of understand what that is and how that works, isn't it? So how does God swear his promises? Well, obviously, he swears by himself. Because there is no one higher. There is no higher authority to, to make sure he's doing it, to appeal to. But he takes an oath, he makes a covenant with Abraham right back at the beginning, isn't it? That he will save his people. That he'll gather people from all nations to his family, to his kingdom. He swears by himself. Because we are slow to believe and sinful in our hearts and suspicious of God. And he stoops down and swears an oath by himself. Not because there is any question he'll not fulfill all his promises but because he knows that we question him, even when we shouldn't. It's like when, as a kid, you, you don't trust what someone is saying. We, we do say, go on, swear on your mum's life. That, go on, if that really happened, swear on your mum's life, isn't it? Because we don't trust them. We don't think they're telling the truth. Or when someone offers you an oath, when you aren't looking for one, you know, someone say, like, you're talking to someone, they say, they, you know, this is, what, this is what happened, or... This is what they said, and they, they, they uh, no, I swear down, I swear on my, my kids, like, you know, whatever. Well, I wasn't looking for, I, was, I believed you, you don't need to make that kind of bold statement. Makes you a bit suspicious, doesn't it? Well, God isn't making an oath because he's untrustworthy. He's not some dodgy bloke who's trying to, you know, they're not, they're not nicked. It's not, you know, it's not, he didn't come off the back of a lorry, honest. You know, he's not untrustworthy. He doesn't need to prove his promise. He swears an oath because we are not trusting. So when God told Abraham he would give him eternal life, a heavenly homeland, a family of faith from all nations, as numerous as the stars, he guaranteed it by himself. Abraham received what was promised, isn't he? He was patient. And we're going to get into that later in Hebrews. But God gave Abraham that promise. 
Not just for him, but for us also. That steadfast promise that God will rescue you and carry you to heaven. That promise is one that you can rely on because God has sworn on it. He said, he's guaranteed it. God wanted to make it clear, to make it plain, to spell it out for dummies and doubters like Abraham and like me and like you. He says, this is how I promise. I swear. I swear to you, I make an oath, I covenant, a promise by myself. He means it. It's not just because of how God promised. You know, he swore that oath to himself, by himself. But it's who God is. It's who, is it, who he is that makes us know that we can trust the promise. You see, we're reminded in this verse that God cannot lie. He cannot lie. He's not a lie. He simply cannot do it. It's not in his nature. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't change his character. He's not like me as a dad who gets hangry and stressed and goes back on his words and not shout the kids again that day. Sorry. Or has maybe an unforeseen thing come up, like a busy mum who can't take their kids to McDonald's because something's come up or... You know, like, yeah, I promise you I'm going to be at sports day today, this time. You know, and then life gets in the way, isn't it? God isn't like that. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't, he's not persuaded or moved off course. God doesn't change and he cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. So when he says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. He means it. And he won't change his mind. When he says, do not let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. When he said that, he meant it. He means it. He's not lying and he won't change his mind. Now in this life of chaos, and hardship and sin and suffering when things are tough in school when you're not getting your own way when people turn their backs on you when the teachers are unfair to you it's easy to doubt God's love for us isn't it it's easy for us to doubt God's plan for us God's good intentions and care for us when the storms of life are hitting we worry you might drown the audience of this letter were clearly struggling to grasp hold of God's promise. They were doubting Jesus' power and love for them, weren't they? We've been over it over these last weeks, isn't it? How they, they want to go back, thinking that maybe the old life would be better. How often are we tempted to feel that same way? That maybe we'd be better off not following Jesus. If we could just fit in a bit more in school. Rather than following Jesus, wouldn't that be better? If only we could make money where we used to, maybe that would be easier. We want to go back. If that's how you feel. If that's, if that's your temptation. If you're struggling to keep your heads above water, don't despair. In all the storms of life, we have an anchor. That will hold us fast 
and secure. We can trust God. We can rely on his promises because of Jesus. Jesus is our great anchor. He's our great high priest. Jesus won't let you down. He won't and he can't break his promise to you. He can't and he won't break his promise to you. The the check of salvation and forgiveness has been written. I know some of you have not clue what I'm talking about because, you know, checks are kind of old school now, aren't they? But hopefully, at least you might, some of you will know, the check's been maybe your granny still sends you on at Christmas. You know, it takes you 10 weeks to get it cashed because who does that anymore? But anyway, the check of your salvation and forgiveness has been written. It was signed in the blood of Christ shed on the cross. And it's been delivered to the bank. He is risen from the grave and has ascended to heaven. And now we're just waiting for it to clear into our account. (coughs) Jesus, our great hope and anchor, anchor for our souls. He's died and rose again. He's ascended to heaven. And the writer is using the language and picture that Old Testament high priest going behind the curtains. In the tabernacle, you had like the VIP section. The, the Holy of Holies, the place that was, where the throne of God, the Father was, and you know you had the, uh, uh, the yeah the throne of God, the Father, and uh, before the curtain, then you've got the, the bread avenue and the lamp. You've done that with tabernacle stuff, <coughs> and it's like the Holy of Holies, the place where the presence of God, where literally heaven met earth. That only the high priest could go once a year, as like as, as a picture, as a symbol, as a representation. But Jesus goes before us into heaven, behind the curtain, behind the veil, into heaven, into that holy of holies, on our behalf. Not only has he gone into heaven on our behalf, because that's what the high priest did every year. Well, not heaven, literally, but the holy of holies. But he's gone before us. He's gone before us. And in some translations, they use the words uh, forerunner. He's gone ahead of us, before us. He is our forerunner. He's gone (coughs) not just to advocate for us to the Father in the throne room of heaven. Not just to advocate for us in the throne room of heaven. He's anchoring us there. He has gone before us. As a forerunner, making the way, blazing the trail. He's not just our anchor, he's like, he's like our grappling hook to heaven. You know, the grappling hook that Batman has, isn't it? You know, like, swing it and chuck it up, isn't it? And then it sinks into a roof and you can climb up to get there, can't you? He's, the, he's not just our anchor, he's our grappling. He's gone ahead of us so that we might follow after him. We might follow after him. So you might feel like you'll never get to heaven. Your sin is too great. Your regrets are too heavy. You're too weak. You're too bad. You're never going to make it. Jesus has made the way. We can rely on his promise. 
that he will carry us to heaven. So it's not just, not just the grappling hook, so we've got a, a line that we can climb up on. He pulls us up, he drags us to the kingdom of God. He does it. He's made a way for you. You see, Christ is in the pattern of Melchizedek, it says in that verse, doesn't it? Because he is the priest of God Most High, the priest for all the nations, not just for Israel, not just for that that little... He's a priest for all the nations, which means that Jesus is for all the nations, for all of those who are far off. Not just church kids, well, that includes church kids, but for all people. No matter how far off you feel, how far away you've wandered, how bad you feel, <coughs> how much of an outsider you are, Jesus can be your hopeless, your anchor, your grappling hook to heaven. His sacrifice is for all the nations, for everyone. Jesus' death on the cross can bring the furthest from God near to him. And that includes you. He leads all who believe in him in every generation to God. Based on the hope of the resurrection and the power of the cross. Jesus is the guarantee of God's promise. On our own, we'd never make it. We'd never get to heaven. You're not good enough. On our own, we'd never survive the Christian life. Life feels too hard and too difficult. But in the storms of life, we have an anchor that secures. We're not, we won't get washed away, swept out to sea, into the abyss to be consumed and destroyed. We have an anchor for our soul. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was promised to Abraham. Abraham trusted in that promise. And Jesus came and delivered that promise by coming to die on the cross. He's done what he said he would do. Trust in him. And trust him for all that's going to come. He said he's going to, he will do. Trust Jesus. Cry out to him. Follow him. He promises that he will forgive you. He'll restore you. And share his eternal life with you. You can take that promise to the back. You can anchor your soul, anchor your life on the steadfast promises of God because of Jesus. <coughs> With Jesus, you have certainty in an uncertain world. Just as sure as Jesus is sat at the Father's side right now, you too can spend eternity in heaven you trust Jesus God won't change his mind he won't let you down he loves you and he sent his son to die for you anchor yourself to Jesus cling to him let him be the thing that keeps you in all the storms of life don't despair trust him he won't let you down He won't break his his promises to you. Let me pray for you. That you would look to Jesus and receive assurance of his promise by his spirit. Let's pray for you.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that he has died for all of us. He's died for every nation, for every kind of person, or for everyone in this room. That his death means that we can live. Lord, I pray that if anyone here is feeling adrift, Lord, that they would look to you, Lord Jesus, and they'd know that you are the anchor for their soul. Lord, help us, Lord, to look to you. Help us to follow you. And help us to follow you all the way to heaven. Lord, please save those here who don't know you. And help us, those of us who do, Lord, to cling to you and to rest safe and secure in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Soul Church Sunday podcast. We hope it helped you and blessed you. We'd love to see you on a Sunday, 6 p.m. in Neath Town Hall.